Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, hey, hey. I am Matt Williamson. You have reached the Locked On NFL podcast. As usual, we're recording at a little different time. Usually I record around noon. Usually we do Wednesday Power Ranks, but we have switched it up this week. Power Ranks are getting a little stale. I'm just going to skip it for a week and bring on an old friend from way back when. We've done quite a few podcasts together. My man, Ross Tucker, who dominates the podcast airwaves and his Ross Tucker network. What is up, brother? End of. What's up, dude? Always good to hear your voice and... I got to get you back on the Ross Tucker football podcast soon, man. Always, always love your insight. How's everything going? Things are great. Things are great. This uh, locked on deal that I'm a part of is growing like crazy. The network is going really well. We're getting major sponsorship. Bet DSI is our guys today. They're they're bringing it to us. Um, I wanted to talk to you not about you know week seven or what's happening right this minute, but a couple big picture items that I really appreciate your insights on. And I don't know if you're familiar with Andy Benoit over at SI. He does a great job. He's kind of a Greg Cosell type. And I read his article on Monday, and he just used the quote that he got from somebody at the NFL that, and this isn't groundbreaking. Everyone's going to say, yeah, that's obviously the way it is. But the defensive line play in the NFL now is far superior to the offensive line play. And if you just kind of think about it in that simple terms, I think it explains an awful lot of what's going on in the league right now. You know, that people are talking about all the penalties. And you look at Eagles-Vikings. You look at Seahawks-Cardinals from this past week. And it comes down to the big suckers. You know, you know this better than anyone. That's why I wanted to bring it up to you. What do you see is going on in the league right now from that regard? Well, I think he's right, and I think there's a lot of different reasons and factors for that. Um, I think, well, let's start with this, right? Defensive linemen are always more athletic and more genetically gifted than their offensive line counterparts. Now, there's some guys, you know, the the Jason Peters of the world, Greg Robinsons of the world that are freak shows as well. But in general, look at the – workout numbers for the D linemen and look at the workout numbers for the O linemen typically. And so here's, there's a couple of things. Number one, what I have seen, and it really starts high school, college, they've done a much better job of teaching pass rushing technique, the importance of pass rushing. And even at the college level now, they do a better job of having sort of a NASCAR package, right, where all four guys are legitimate rushers. I mean, you know, I'm I'm doing the Yale-Penn game last Friday night, and and Yale moves both their DNs to D-tackle and obvious passing downs. And so that really, to me, started primarily with the Giants when they knocked off the Patriots. Everybody was like, you know what? We really need to make sure all four of these guys 
are stud rushers. Like, it's too important. There are too many obvious passing downs. We're in nickel too much. We got to have not only four guys, but really six or seven guys that we feel like can rush the passer. So I feel like I really started to notice that in 2007. So even when I played and I retired in 2008, there was usually a guy, even on obvious passing downs, usually at least one of their guys was not a great rusher. And really, sometimes even a couple of them were not great rushers. I mean, they were still NFL players, but they were guys that most of the time you could block them one-on-one. Now, they're trying to put four guys out there that you really can legitimately and consistently defeat one-on-one blocks. So that, to me, is a big part of it. That team did a much better job of identifying and making sure as a priority that they've got four, five, six guys that can rush. You look, if you look at a team on nickel or third and nine, you'd be hard pressed to find a guy that they don't think can have at least five sacks, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think that's a big part of it, number one. What has coincided with that is two other things, M-Dub. Number two is offensive lines at the college level, they, they just don't have to block like they do in the NFL level. You know, we talk all the time about quarterbacks and these air raid offenses or these spread and, and the, the zone read and stuff. When you watch a college game, there's a lot of plays there where because they're playing tempo or because of the hash marks or because of how quickly the quarterback gets the ball out, I mean, it feels like half the plays, they're not even blocking anybody. You know, and it doesn't matter. They just have to kind of stand there for a second and a half, and they're good. So I don't think college, I don't think offensive linemen are coming out of college as ready, unless it's like a Notre Dame guy maybe or some of these schools where the guy might be a little more polished. Jake Matthews stayed for four years, and Zach Martin stayed for four years, and guys like that. And then at the NFL level, they don't hardly ever get any practice time together. And, you know – just like you and I, when we used to do the, the podcast, the four-letter network, it's important to have a chemistry with your co-host. It's important that we don't step on each other and I kind of know how to tee you up. Well, that's the same way it is offensive line. You are working with the guys next to you almost every play. These guys don't get a chance to work together as much. There's not as much practice time. There's certainly not as much practice time in pads to really fit in. Together, so that's a big part of it. And then last but not least, M-Dub, and I know I'm long-winded here, but as you can tell, I've, I've thought a lot about the topic. Sure. Um, they're doing a much better job of identifying what gives offensive linemen issues or offensive line issues and exploiting that. Example is how often you'll see two linebackers in the A-gap or two linebackers mugged up on the guards. What that does, the, the guards have to honor that. So you want to slide one way or the other to really protect the tackle. But the A-gap comes first, especially under center. But even in the gun, you really don't want a guy in the A-gap just to hit, be able to hit it and hope your, your running back can step up and stone him when he gets a four-yard run, he right in your quarterback's face. 
So you see Zimmer and these guys doing all this A-gap stuff. And I remember the Bears and Lovey Smith doing this a bunch when I was playing. What it does is it forces you to honor that as a guard. And then some teams will even have the tackle squeezed down with it. So he's got to honor that as well. But then they, they have these guys bail at the last second. But you don't know they're going to bail till the last second. So your initial footwork has to be inside. And even if you are able to, to get back outside or whatever, a lot of times you're not really able to slide to protect that tackle. So what that does is that, that, has, get, that has gained and garnered even more one-on-ones than they were getting before. And a lot of times they'll wait and they'll see which way the center slides. Okay, sliding towards me. I'm going to back out and drop back into my zone. I ate up the center. The other guy went. We brought five. He went, and the, he's one-on-one with the back. And the center had to take me, so he can't help the guard and tackle next to him. So I just think from a scheme perspective, and this is one of the other things I mentioned, but from a scheme perspective, I think that defensive coordinators have done a much better job of identifying what gives protection uh, schemes an issue so that they get more one-on-ones, at least for the first second and a half of a play. I think that's really well said on everything you said, really. And, you know, people talk about, like, Sean Payton scheming up Jimmy Graham to be one-on-one. Well, defenses are doing it now more than ever, like you said, you know, with pass rush. But I definitely think, more so than I can remember, that the pool of great D-linemen or quality D-linemen is so much better than the pool of top offensive linemen. Like, name me five really good right tackles, where I can name 25 300-pound defensive linemen like Calais Campbell and Fletcher Cox, I mean, let alone the J.J. Watts and Aaron Donald, that are dominant players, that are potential Hall of Famers, that are easy pro bowlers. And I wanted to ask you, uh, when I was at Pitt, you know, our big rival was WVU, and that's when Rich Rodriguez was creating the spread, more or less. And the reason he did it was... WVU, Pitt, you know, we were good colleges and good programs, but we lost the 300-pound studs to Michigan, to Ohio State, to Penn State. So he devised this plan of, we'll beat you without great line play. You know, like kind of like you said, I'm going to get it out of my quarterback's hands fast. I can find fast dudes to catch the ball and run the ball, but I can't find big guys to hold blocks long. So meanwhile, nobody comes out of Ohio State and Michigan even now let alone the Pitts and WVUs that are accomplished run blockers. You know, all these guys haven't even put their hands in the dirt. You remember like Jason Smith coming out of Baylor and, you know, it used to be used a top five or ten pick on Ogden, Baselli, Chris Samuels. They were studs from day one. And now it's Greg Robinson and Fisher and Jokel and a bunch of misses. Yeah, and you know what, too, M-Dub? I do that college draft podcast with Fran Duffy, and I think we've had you on it before. If you just watch, like, college football, right? So there's this left tackle for Alabama that's supposed to be good, Cam Robinson. And back-to-back weeks, you know, you watch guys like Derek Barnett from Tennessee and Miles Garrett from Texas A&M really abuse him and really get the better of him. And even when you look at it, there just seems to be more stud D linemen coming out of college football than there are offensive linemen. I mean, I, I'm By not far. exactly sure why that is, but that's been a reality too. And even, you know, and I, I think a big part of it is because in college, they're really getting by with scheme, like you said, Rich Rod, the spread. 
and they're not having to block people as much. They get big splits. They get the, you know, you look at Texas Tech and their splits and Mike Leach and Washington State. And it's and, and it's because of the fact that if you if you don't scheme up something differently in the college level, you're not going to beat those 10 schools that get that get the big studs on both sides of the ball. You're, it's it's exceedingly difficult to win that battle. There's just not many of them on the planet. You know, I mean, they all go to Oklahoma or Texas or Ohio State, you know, and then they turn them into Orlando Pace and put them on offense. Yep, exactly. So I want one more big topic with you, but I want to tell our listeners about BetDSI here first. Uh, I have a promo code NFL10. If, you're, if you love football and you're ready to get into the action, you got to check out BetDSI.com. They've been in this business 20 years. They're a top-rated business, highly safe, very easy to get your money out. You can, you, know, you can bet with these guys in-game, which I think is very, very cool. And I always tell people to do that. If you, you know, I know my Steelers real well. You watch them for the first quarter against the Dolphins and say they don't have it, even though they're favorites in this game. Put some money on the Finns. Use my promo code at uh, NFL10, and you are sitting pretty. They have a great football special right now. Sign up today with the promo code, and you get 10 free bucks to use whatever, however you like. And they are also offering a 100% bonus on your first deposit. So check, go to BetDSI now, go to BetDSI.com now. That's BetDSI.com. Use my promotion code NFL10. So I have stolen some of your theories or expanded upon them that if I was made king of the world, my first priority would be to change the NFL. I'd get to like world hunger down the road, but I would go with this 17 game schedule that you and I talked about many years ago. I would implement a minor league system, much like they have in hockey or baseball, where the Steelers team would be in Wheeling and the Eagles team would be in Penn State, somewhere where there's a already existing foundation stadium to use. But you've talked about it, and you had some phenomenal ideas, and frankly, I think you explain it better than me, of how you would handle the 17-game schedule. You know, two, two, two preseason games, two buys, one neutral game. I think you know where I'm going with this. Yeah, I think, I, I think, I mean, I, I think I'd still have three preseason okay. games. And everybody, there's two buys, and everybody plays a neutral site game. So you don't have to worry about, oh, we're giving up a home game to play in London or mm-hmm. to play wherever. Everybody has a neutral site game, period. And so that way, and you get a buy, you get a second buy in that season because what's it really about, right? It's about television revenue and it's about television inventory. So what you really give them is right now they have 17 Sundays where – Sunday from 1 to 8 and really 1 to midnight, a lot of people are watching football. A lot of people. And you got the Thursday night game and the Monday night game and everything. Well, if you go to 17 and 2, that's 19 weeks. That's two more weeks. I mean, that's that's like 8% increase. You know, that's... Bazillions of dollars. Yeah, that's millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. And for the players, they're only playing one more game, and they get a percentage of any of the revenue that comes in, so they're getting a lot more money. It would put they have it, the extra buy. It's easier on their bodies. Correct. And 
that would put the Super Bowl on um, – I forget what weekend that is. You know, I don't know if it's Martin Luther King weekend or whatever. But whatever, whichever one it is, you, you have off on Monday after the Super Bowl. Monday's, a, Monday's an off day you know, with no school and no work for a lot of people after the Super Bowl, which would be even better That's great. for everybody that. involved, I think, for a lot of different reasons. So that part of it would be cool. Plus, if we're talking about really growing the game, what an awesome way to grow the game by having 16 neutral site games. You still want to have four in London? Great. Heck, you can have eight in London for all I care. But then we still can have one in Mexico City and one in San Antonio and one in Vegas before the Raiders go there or whatever and just bring bring NFL. And, you know, they make it sound like it would be so tough. And I know there's some logistics between, oh, man, the, the replay system and the officials and the locker room has to have this and that. But honestly... Give me a break, dude. Right. I mean, if you have a field that's 53 and a third wide and 100 yards long and, and people can come watch it, we'll figure it out. I, I think we'll be okay because they've done that when the when the Saints had the flooding and stuff. I mean, they found other places to play where they can play and it's fine and it's not a big deal. I mean, right now the Rams are playing at the Coliseum. So that to me is a weak, weak excuse. I think it'd be awesome. I think it's a great way to grow the game revenue-wise with the two additional weeks of TV and get it to some new markets internationally especially where nobody complains because nobody's losing one of their eight home games. Right. I always feel bad for the team that gets shipped. You know, that's a big deal. And along those lines, like how great would Steelers-Eagles have been this year if it was at State College and all your buddies drive to State College and all my buddies from the other side of the state drive to State College and you get 110,000 people packed in that place full of black, gold, and green. And it's just a, you know, a massive a gathering that just is something new, a one-time thing for that year. And then the other thing that I think you could do with two buys is I hate Thursday night football, but it's not going away. But if both those teams more often than not had a buy before their Thursday game, now you're talking. Yeah, I, I don't have as much of a problem with Thursday night football as everybody else seems to. I mean, it bothers I, me. Know, it's a division game. Yeah, I, well, I know, and I know that the the importance of it. But to me, as long as it's equitable and fair, and both sides have the same rules and the same time frame for the game. Plus, I, I think the argument they would make, M Dub, is that the division games a make it more compelling for television, and b you know, you should have a much better familiarity with that other team. You play them twice a year, every year, right? So yeah, the prep, the prep should not be as intensive. I, I think that is what they would argue. And honestly, I mean, I just watched a Sunday night game where it was six six, and a Monday night game where at least they weren't really tearing it up offensively either. So I, I don't know that there's as much of a difference between Thursday night and Sunday night and Monday night as we make it out to be, or if it's just kind of, um, it's not as good, but because it's become, you know, I, I hate using this word all the time, but the narrative that we're almost looking for it to be. And of course, mm-hmm. um, you know, Titans, Jags, I'm sure will just totally change everybody's <laughs> mind on that one. Well, what do you think about a minor league system though? You know, like for example, you're, your GM assigns a coaching staff that runs the same scheme for the baby Rams. And 
you know, it's like your goalie gets hurt in hockey and you call a guy up in the middle of the season. They play the, the same time of year. They play against other teams. Maybe they play every other week, but they play in an established place. And offensive linemen, quarterbacks in particular, you can groom them. And sometimes you'll have a Crash Davis that spends his whole life in the minors and hits a bunch of minor league homers. But you're going to have a lot of Nukalushas that get to refine their skills, get called up to the bigs when their time is ready. I love the Bull Durham reference, by the way. Um, so I don't, I don't mind your your idea. I've always preferred that there would be a spring league. I think that in the fall, it would have absolutely no chance of being a commercial success at all. And you come to it from the development background and from the scouting background. So you don't really care about that part of it, but I know that the owners do. So I guess I'm trying to make something that would be the most realistic, which to me, there'd probably be eight teams, maybe one team for for each division, if you will. Because if we're going to put, you know, let's say there's, let's just say there's 40 guys on the team. Each team in the league, each team in the division gets to allocate 10 guys. So the, you know, for the, um, for the Albany uh, Northeasters, right? The Jets allocate 10, the Bills allocate 10, the Patriots allocate 10, something like that. They play in the spring so we can watch them play, watch them develop, you know, that I'm sure NBC Sports Network or CBS, I'm sure one of these networks would carry the games because there'd be familiar college players. I prefer that. And you're really developing referees, right. O-line, quarterbacks, coaches. kickers. Yeah, all that stuff. Because I, I think and the, the reality is, even if you did that during the fall, those guys really aren't, for the most part, going to be called up and contribute. I mean, most of the teams are able to use what they have on their 53-man roster or the 10-man practice squad now that those are the guys, you know, if a guy goes down, they got a backup already on the roster. Or if a couple of guys go down, they're going to bump up a guy from the practice squad that's that's with them every week, that's practicing every week. So I just don't think that very many guys would actually get get moved up like it is for hockey or baseball. And so because of the practice squad, because of the nature of football, so I think it loses the advantage of, of being during the fall in that in that respect. Yeah, but if you if there was no more practice squads and they had 55-man rosters, I've always thought the rosters are too small anyways, and a guy like Jared Goff was playing right now every week, you know, might be, you know, you're monitoring his progress and boy, he's looking good, let's bring him up. You know, he's protected, nobody else can steal him. I know that's a lot more logistics, but I mean, to me it doesn't sound that crazy and I bet you could get 15,000 fans to watch the Akron Browns against the Wheeling Steelers that'll pay five bucks a beer and three bucks a hot dog. Yeah, maybe. I I, I don't know if you're the Rams, though. You're not going to have Jared Goff. Well, he's a bad example. I'm thinking like a six-round pick quarterback. Yeah, maybe. maybe. But even then, I think you want kind of that guy there, and you want to have Norv Turner or whoever, right, working with him every day as opposed to whoever's coaching the Akron Browns. But how much attention do those guys get nowadays? You know, I mean, if Peyton Manning's your quarterback, he takes every rep at practice. 
you know, I mean, there's not a practice time for the second string quarterback now, which yeah, is really a different argument. They, I, I think that they, I think you're right, but I think that they, if it's a higher pick, I think they should probably spend more time with him than you realize. Yeah, true, true. But I mean, I would expand the draft to 12, 13 rounds, continually pump, you know, young guys into their like college hockey, call it like baseball. But that's just my thought. I mean, if I was king of the world, I would explore those two op- options. Dude, you're the man. This was fun. We should talk more often. Always. I love it. I enjoy I enjoy doing it, man. You're, you're killing it. I'm, I follow everything you do on Twitter, and uh, I'm glad you got locked on and everything else going on. So thanks for having me. I appreciate it. If people uh, don't know, they can check out my yeah. podcast, the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. I got a bunch of them over at RossTucker.com, Fantasy. and You and Evan are doing great work. I listen to all, the, all those. They're great. Oh, yeah, man. He's, He's great, yeah. I'm honestly amazed by the uh, by by the information that comes from the fantasy community. Like it's blown nuts, away with the stats and information and research that they do. I mean, they take it to the next level, man. It's impressive. It really is. And you guys have great guests on too. All right, brother. This was awesome. All right, sounds good. Thanks, M Dub. Absolutely. Napa know how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17 When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.